All right, it's episode 20, season 3 of the Bearded Carcast, and uh, we have one of our good buddies, great guests on the Bearded Carcast, Darren Gant, joining us. We're going to, we're gonna, and I, I don't say this, that rule was unavailable. No, but in a serious note, we're dedicating this to Mr. B. That's uh, Darren's dog that uh, passed away recently. I had a dog uh, two years ago, Maddie. Yeah, I mean, and when you have a dog that's part of your life that long, uh, it's it's like losing a friend. So what we just you, wanted to offer our uh, What are you, Roy Firestone, trying to get me to cry <laughs> coming right out of the top of this podcast, you monster? No, we just wanted to, we just wanted to honor Mr. B. No, I appreciate it. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a rough week, but... It's, uh, you know, he had a good run. He did have a good run. He had a good run. He was part of the family. 13, 13, 10 with me. So, uh, yeah, it's a long time and came on suddenly. That that was the hard part. Yeah. I mean, to go from, you know, Monday before Christmas, fine, to end of the week, pancreatic cancer. I mean, it kind of yeah. comes on in dogs like it does in people. So it was quick and it was sad and it was awful and still getting used to it. To coming home to a quiet house yeah. that's not hearing that jingle coming down the stairs or the tags on the collar. So that's tough, but we'll get there. I, I don't know if I'll be watching Westminster or anything this year. Might be too soon, too soon, but uh, we'll get there one of these days. All right, so obviously a uh, big week with NFL playoffs uh, coming up this week. And, of course, the, the local news here is Matt Rule, the, the Baylor coach, mm-hmm. being hired um, with the Carolina Panthers. What, what's your initial kind of thoughts on that? You know, it seems like he was the best of a undistinguished group of candidates. I mean, this wasn't the year to be looking for a coach. I mean, when Mike McCarthy is the other star name of this bunch, that should tell you a little something about the market. And I, I don't know, you know, they talked to Mike McCarthy twice. And I don't know if he was more impressive than they thought he was going to be. So they asked him back a second time or they liked him more than they thought they were going to or how that went on. But but rules kind of got that. He sort of got that CEO vibe. He's not, you know, offensive whiz kid. You know, he's not one of those guys who had lunch with Sean McVay. They got (laughs) hired a year ago. Uh, You know, he's just a solid, good coach. I mean, and the fact that. He won at Temple. The fact that he won at Baylor, you know, you would think that if he's done reclamation projects like that, he should be okay here. I mean, he's not coming into a, you know, a desert. I I will give the guy credit. He looked at the Browns and he said, no, I'm good. Don't need to talk to you guys. I'll talk to the Giants. I'll talk to the Panthers. But, you know, most people who are looking for jobs are willing to talk to everybody just to try to create leverage. But he got himself a pretty good deal to come here I, we'll see I mean that's the only honest answer you can give when you hire a college coach who's only spent one year in the NFL yeah. is we'll see and we don't know how long it's going to take I know David Tepper's talked a lot already about building and you know one of Matt Rule's buzzwords is process and yeah. it's probably a good thing I'm not in there every day for the paper the way I used to be because my kids are so sick of hearing me talk about process that if you added Matt Rule's buzzwords on top <laughs> of that they would probably just move out immediately but uh it, we'll see I I think it's probably good uh, but everybody thinks their coach is probably sure. good the first day they hired. So. Bill Belichick, $12 million. Pete Carroll, 11. John Gruden, 10. Sean Payton, 9.5. John Harbaugh, 9. Matt Rule, 8.5. Yeah. Were they bidding against themselves, or were the Giants going to put together a big offer? Well, the Giants wanted him. I mean, he yeah. was their A candidate. And they just weren't going to go seven years, eight and a half million bucks for a guy who never coached. You know, they're basically, they wanted 
young Tom Coughlin. I mean, that's what Matt Rule's selling. He's selling toughness and discipline and old school football. And he likes to talk about Oklahoma drills, you know, with great enthusiasm and fervor. And I think he'll realize that that doesn't play as well in the NFL as it does at Baylor and at Temple. But the Giants definitely wanted him. I think there was some sticker shock, though. I mean, they look at that thing. I mean, if your general manager is Dave Gettleman, you're not looking at a seven-year plan. And I, I think they were probably a little sticker shocked by the numbers on that thing. But listen, if you're Dave Gettleman and you've got $12 billion in the bank or whatever, you write big checks and you get stuff done when if you're you want tepper. it. Yeah, I mean, if you're Tepper and, you know, the Giants didn't want to get in a bidding war with a guy who had deeper pockets. So is the genius in this like the Jaguars because – who wants to bid for an unproven coach that you have to pay $8 million when you can just bring back your kind of average okay yeah. coach? Well, and that's the thing. And that's one of the things. we're When I leave here, I'm going to go up to the press conference downtown and, and listen to how Matt Rule addresses this because one of the things that I think is fascinating about Tepper and bringing Matt Rule into this situation Tepper's talked about the NFL is built to keep everybody seven and nine, nine and seven. It's built to drive everybody to the middle. You've been in business 25 years. Your team's 10 games under 500. How do you fix that? How do you turn that battleship around? And if you're, you know, a lot of people in the NFL, they all say they want to win, but a lot of owners in the NFL are really comfortable being seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven and making a lot of money. Tepper doesn't seem to have that same gene. I mean, his thing has been to push in every business he's ever been in. And, you know, he's been pretty forward. He wanted a soccer team, went and got him a soccer team. Wanted a new training facility, bought a bunch of land in Rock Hill and got the state of South Carolina to give him free goodies. Um, he has made things happen. And I, and I suspect that when we get him talking about this, it'll become clear that Rule was the guy he had his heart set on. And if that took stroking some big checks to Matt Rule and to Baylor for a $6 million buyout, then you do it. Based on him being a successful businessman, hiring good people below him, do we think that he is credible to hire a football coach? Well, we'll see. Uh, we, I mean, he's got an – he has – identified talent in other areas for sure and, and the guy is no dummy i mean he's made a pile of money by taking risk and being right when he takes them so uh I, i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt now but this is the first time he's done it i mean jerry richardson had built an empire out of a hardy's franchise and hired dom capers because that was going to be his chuck knoll and now Dave Tepper's found his first guy, and he's already comparing him to Chuck Knoll in terms of what he wants to build. So play hard, young fella, because your boss just put a pretty high expectation on you. And the difference being is he's kind of considered more of an offensive guy, although I think he's coached like everything. But. Yeah, I, I mean, he's one of those guys who's been on both sides of the ball and all around. He's a coach. He's a manager. He's a CEO rather than an X and O guy, and that's so much more important. I mean, I, I, I think scheme guys are a dime a dozen. 
you can find somebody to draw X's and O's. What Tepper was looking for was a leader. He was looking for somebody to run his business, you know, find him a CEO and, you know, put together with Marty Herney and whoever he adds to the to the personnel side of the equation. And, and I think they're going to add more people in general. One of the things about that place that I think held him back for a while is they ran lean in mm. terms of coaching salaries and the number of people they had in the personnel department. And I suspect that's going to change over time because again if you're in a system like the nfl that is built to push everybody the middle there's a salary cap that limits how much you can spend on players there is no salary cap on how much you can spend on coaches how much you can spend on scouts how much you can spend on training facilities and all the extra doodads that they think make a difference so i suspect as we get to know david tepper better over the next 10 years or whatever, we'll find out that he's not ashamed to spend that money. What does Matt Rule have in terms of players, cap space, and draft picks? Where is the franchise? What is he taking over? Well, and I think one of the biggest questions, one of the things people will be most curious to hear from him is, what do you think about Cam Newton? I mean, sure. where where are you That's with your quarterback? Question. That's the thing everybody's going to want to know. And you either believe, A, that... Cam Newton's going to get healthy, and we're going to have us a healthy Cam Newton. And that's isn't a good, the answer going to be, and, and we'll that's a see? Good thing. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We'll, we'll find out over the next couple of months, because I don't think they've got a clear picture yet of where Cam is. I mean, it might be optimistic. It might be all the reports are positive, but you don't really know. And, and it's a tricky situation with him going into the final year of a contract. I mean, yes, they could – franchise tagging but no quarterback of his level wants to or really deserves to go into a final year like that but he's finished the last two years on the shelf so I don't know how you can in good conscience extend the guy right now but you've either got healthy Cam Newton which is a good thing or an asset to flip and the seventh pick in the draft to do some business with. So, you know, we'll see. I I don't know, you know, do you want to draft Tua? Do you take a chance on that? They will be in position, regardless, to be better at quarterback than they were this year when Cam got hurt because either Cam's healthy or they're going to go out and spend some assets to improve that position. And when you look at at a pool of free agents that's got Tom Brady, yeah, go sign Tom Brady. I, I think Matt Rule could work with Tom Brady. Or, you know, Philip Rivers. I mean, there's a number of guys who are incredible upgrades over what they were putting on the field. But that's not part of a seven-year plan, bringing in a 40-year-old quarterback. No, but I also don't think that they can afford to be bad for a couple of years because the the fans are, and Tepper talked about this frustration with mediocrity, and I've joked about Dave's war on mediocrity. You know, Charlotte fans are, you know, I sense that people, the market's growing up to the point that being on that seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven loop is getting on people's nerves. But do they more have the roster? Like, like, let's say that's the, best... that's the question. The question is, are they further away or is it time to rebuild? I think, best I think case scenario, close, close Cam enough. is okay. Cam is healthy. Cam plays well. What about the rest of and the And then you plug, in, you plug in a big body in the defensive line and you, you sure up the, the yeah, run defense. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you start with Cam Newton, Luke Keekley and Eric Reed and K1 Short and Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, that's a decent place to begin. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's a, 
you know, need to tear it down. And I mean, even some of the teardowns, you know, we all thought Miami was going to be awful this year. And I think they exceeded expectations by winning, what, four Ryan games? Ryan Fitzpatrick's yeah. available. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick's <laughs> available. So um, I, I don't think they're in that spot. I think there's a pretty good base of talent there. They do have a lot of free agents. They do have a lot of questions to a- answer beyond Cam. I mean, what are you going to do with James Bradbury? You signed Shaq Thompson to an extension, so ostensibly you can tag Bradbury and hang on to him if you're not able to work out a long-term deal because, um, you know, he's ready to get paid like one of those guys. Is there a way, though, let's say Cam's healthy. You bring him back, whether he has an extension or he's playing on a one-year deal, whatever the situation is. If he's healthy and he's playing pretty well, is this a playoff roster? Seems like it. I I think it would have been this year. If you look at the way they were playing last season, um, 2018, before he got hurt, healthy Cam Newton – and healthy Luke Keekley provides a pretty high floor. I mean, you shouldn't be bad if you start with those two guys in the middle of either side of the ball. So, and I do. I, I think I, I really like DJ Moore, what he showed this year coming along. I mean, he's looking like he might finally be that guy. You know, that A receiver that so many teams want and need. I mean, is he Julio Jones? No. Is he, you know, maybe the fourth best lead receiver in the NFC South? Probably, but that ain't the worst neighborhood to be in. I mean, you're still talking about some really high-level guys in the division, but he's Michael Thomas and Mike Evans, yeah. If you're number four, you're in pretty good And Julio Jones, yeah. But but versatile, too. I mean, you can run him off on the end. Yeah, I mean, you start with him, you start with Christian McCaffrey, and if Cam's healthy— that should be a good offense. Yeah. They've got work to do for sure, but I don't know that it's in that complete teardown. This is the Bearded Carcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Darren Gant from Pro Football Talk is with us. The Panthers have announced a new coach. And oh, by the way, there are still eight teams playing. Uh-huh. One of them is not Mike's team, the New England Patriots. They have called it a season. We appreciate and welcome them and um, ask them to, uh, you know, leave their keys on the door. Oh, yeah. Is it Pick over up your golf clubs on or the will out. they be fine? Depends. Is Bill Belichick still the coach? then they should be okay. I, I trust that guy. He's built up good faith with me. And and I, you know, I didn't expect them to be out at this point in the playoffs because I, I've joked that I was tired of being wrong about Tom Brady and Bill yeah. Belichick. I, I was tired of being the idiot who says, man, it looks like this could be it for them because they just kept winning. Uh, after, you know, about five years ago when we all started saying that, it just kept going and going and going. And um, it's going to be curious to see what Tom Brady does. There's still uh, something in the back of my mind that tells me Bob Kraft's going to step in and make this work out. Right. Um, he's He's been able to keep Tom for a long time. Now, the one thing I wonder about, though, is uh, do, do Bill and Tom wonder – if they can do it without the other one. 
Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like if you read the stuff Tom Brady said to Peter King on our website the other day, you know, and he Instagrammed some stuff about earlier this morning about not wanting a new done. challenge, yeah. not being done. Um, this guy wants to continue to do this. Now, can he be convinced to do it again in New England? He might decide that that's his best opportunity to win. And, you know, honestly, if my choices were go play for Anthony Lynn and the Chargers and replace Philip Rivers and be the face of the franchise in L.A. or play with Bill Belichick in a place where, you know, you're getting free rent at the mall to sell your <laughs> snake oil. Um, yeah, maybe do that. Uh, that might be a pretty good option. So until he walks out the door, there's going to be a big part of me that believes he's going to walk back in it. Yeah, and then this isn't a money issue with him either. No, I mean, they got gobs I mean, of money. Yeah, I mean, this I mean, is about happy. I mean, I don't want to use the Gronk, Gronk example because they're two different people. But I mean, is is it uh, seeing what what's life like outside of Bill Belichick in in New England? Yeah, it could be. I mean, guys won six rings. Maybe he's won enough. Maybe he just wants to chill out and be happy for a minute. And maybe he wants to do that someplace warm. I you know. I don't know what he values at this point because he hasn't really spelled that out clearly. But, you know, he somebody will give him a chance. And some team will say, hey, we're a Tom Brady away from doing yeah. this. Who it, is that He team? can be our Peyton Manning. Yeah. Like, But the reason Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl was he joined a team with maybe the best defense in the sure, NFL. Sure. Is there a team that Tom Brady can go to that they have the offensive weapons that he can – be semi-effective with and a defense that can win them games. Cleveland? If they have a coach? I mean, if Josh McDaniels is the coach of the Browns and you trust Josh and and you look over there and you see all the guys they've got on offense, you would think that that would get somebody's attention. I mean, he was clearly frustrated having to throw throw to a bunch of guys. on Baker Mayfield? Uh, What has Baker Mayfield shown you that would prevent you from signing Tom Brady and playing him? But that's not a long-term play. Tom Brady is 42 years old. Who cares? You haven't won in 100 years if you're the Cleveland Browns, practically. So why not do something different and be pertinent and be in the playoffs? And, you know, they've done long-term plans for a long time under Jimmy Haslam, and they're in the exact same spot they were when they began. I understand why Josh McDaniel, because he has a come camaraderie and relationship with Tom Brady might prefer him to Baker Mayfield, but I don't think the average coach wants an aging, deteriorating quarterback over a young guy with lots of potential. Unless you think you're one year, like it's a win now situation. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think there are probably few places like that because the people who are close to being contenders in the AFC or, or in the NFC really if they're close to winning, most of them have a guy. Right. Most of them have the guy they believe. You know, you if you say Houston, well, you wouldn't take Deshaun Watson off the field to right. go sign I mean, Tom the Brady. Teams that you look but at, Cleveland, the, absolutely. I mean, frankly, Baker Mayfield wasn't very good this what year. What about Tennessee or Chicago? Well, I mean, Tennessee's got some decisions to make, too. Do you franchise tag Tannehill after a hot year or... You know, I'm not. Can you really pay $22 million for Ryan Tannehill? (laughs) It seems like, you know, and I think back, Tepper was, when he was talking about Cam, he said something. He referred to a, we don't have a $36 million mistake on our books right now. Um, You know, (laughs) Jared Goff, (laughs) Rams. But you would be setting yourself up if you gave Ryan Tannehill a lot of money. I mean, he's clearly having a season unlike any he's ever had. But but that is an interesting situation because 
their offensive line is very strong, mm-hmm. particularly at the two ends. So Tom Brady would remain upright. Their defense is pretty good, yeah. and they win by running the ball. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a situation be a where situation. you'd be yeah. set up? And and you know and what? You, your coach is a, is a Patriots guy. He's not getting a lot of national attention, but A.J. Brown looks like a stud. Exactly. That guy averages a lot of yards per catch, and he can get downfield and do all those things that Tom wants to do. Now, they've got some complimentary parts there too I, I don't think it's a great offense and it's not an Odell Beckham right it's but not when a the, Jarvis Landry but when at, the Broncos won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning they didn't have a great offense right and and that's the thing you I still think Tom's got enough he hasn't dropped off so far that somebody's going to have to win despite Tom Brady I think he can be an active participant in the winning still I, you know, they in watching them coming down the stretch. I mean, they didn't have somebody who could win a one-on-one. They didn't have somebody that could get open downfield on his own uh, and you make can a get play that on his guy. Own. You can get one or a wide receiver, a tight end. You can get a couple yeah. of weapons. But it's it, that's the thing that was. So I think amazing that's what no me. one's talking about. Yeah. They missed. They missed. They Gronk. missed on Sonny Michelle. Yeah. Gronk retired. They missed on Henry. I mean, you look at the guys they've drafted recently, and. and I'm not taking away from Bill Belichick's legacy in any way, shape, or form, but they've had opportunities to augment their team, and they've they've missed. Yeah. Well, they well, traded away the, the tight end to Seattle uh, and, with Hollister, and right? that's the thing. You can't replace a Rob Gronkowski. I mean, listen, I don't. You know, I don't flip this around casually. That guy's first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one. Of, he's one of the best to ever play that position in the history of football. Um, you don't replace that guy, not with anybody in the league. I mean, can they go out and, you know, sign an, or get an old Greg Olson if the Panthers part ways with him or recycle some old guy? Maybe, but you're not going to get that same kind of dynamic weapon, and, and that's what they missed. I mean, I talked about not having anybody that could win a one-on-one. He was the ultimate win yeah. a one-on-one in the middle of the field. So um, those guys are rare, and I don't know that you're just going to go out and find one, but – if he was going to come back, they definitely got to make some moves and put some more parts around him, or he's going to be miserable. That's the thing, too. He just looked worn out. He just all the body language, all the stuff that people pick apart with other quarterbacks was not good. And he didn't look like a happy guy being around this process. So. I, I don't know. If they're going to keep him, they, they're probably going to have to pay him more than they've ever paid him, and they're definitely going to have to help him. It's amazing how it's the divisional playoff week and we talk about things that are not involving the actual games going on. Do you look at the four matchups this week? I think we went into the playoffs going, wow, San Francisco and Seattle in the second round. Mm-hmm. That could be quite a game. New Orleans goes to Green Bay, Man. and then we don't get those matchups. I did not see New Orleans falling off the face of the earth no. the way they did. I mean, I'm not a Mike Zimmer guy. I thought their game plan was terrific. Yeah. I mean, if you run the ball a zillion times and Dalvin Cook's really good and your offensive line is solid, all of a sudden that play action works really well. Right, and Kirk Cousins, who's an expensive Jake DeLome, <laughs> made the one throw he yeah. had to make. Yeah. I mean, he was he good. Dropped the thing in the bucket. He was good uh, all day. Not great. He was good for most of that game. Didn't make the big mistake. Didn't turn it over. Kept handing it off to Dalvin Cook, and it worked. And when he had to make one play, it got made. The Vikings go through a new offensive coordinator every year, but the offense that they're running, and it's the offense that they said they were going to run, we want to run the football. When you dedicate yourself to that, if your quarterback can make that one or two throws— 
all of a sudden you, you've yeah. got something. That being said, I wonder if we saw their best shot last week. Could and be. I wonder if we say the same thing about the Titans. Did they throw yeah. their best shot last week? Like, I wonder if we're set up for four lopsided games or three lopsided games. History tells us that's usually what's coming. I mean, you know, wildcard weekends, lousy with six seeds beating threes and, and fives beating fours. But once you get to the divisional round, chalk tends to hold. And that's for, re- I mean, the reason is those teams are better. Yeah. It's not that somebody's worn out or emotional. It's because they've got more good players. And the teams that get buys tend to be the well-coached teams. Right. I mean, Andy Reid's record after a bye is absurd. And John Harbaugh has consistently mm-hmm. been one of the best coaches. So now you've got the teams that earn the one and two seeds, and you've had a week off, and now you're playing teams who weren't as good during the regular season, now have to play on the road, yep. and are playing for a second straight week. Yeah, absolutely. And all those things mount up. And it's like, which snowflake triggers the avalanche? I don't know, but there's a lot of them. And, and and all that stuff matters, but I just I I don't know that either of those teams are gonna. And I like the Texans. How do you not love what Deshaun Watson does? I mean, he just does that thing at a weird time in a game every every time you see him in prime time. Every time you see him in a playoff game or a postseason game in college, it's like, oh God, look at that. And that's who he is. But I just don't know that they've got enough around them to you know, break through those top two. Seattle is a team that throughout the year looked pretty strong, though they won games in unorthodox manners. I mean, the record looks good. The resume looks good. But if you actually watch the games, they were winning games that you're going, wow, I, I, didn't think they were going to win, and they they, they right. find a way. Well, and maybe, Russell Wilson, exactly, and maybe that is just having Russell Wilson. But they go to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz gets hurt. They win. I don't know if you would say impressively, but that's what they've done throughout the year. They've won unimpressively. Now they go to Green Bay, who of the teams getting a buy of the 12, 13 win teams, nobody is overly excited about so is a banged up seattle team who tends to win clawing their way there and not impressively are they the bet or is it green bay who's rested and has aaron Rodgers? but throughout the year no one's been gung-ho on man that that seattle philly game was like thunderdome two men (laughs) enter one man leaves they were so beat up it's like whoever's got dudes left at the end of this game gets to win in advance eventually that has to catch up with them i i mean as much as you and i say this grudgingly because i think he's corny but russell wilson is a human eraser he gets them through a lot of that stuff just by being Russell Wilson. Um, eventually, that has to catch up with them, though. I mean, Clowney's out there playing hurt. He's not 100% with that core muscle thing. I mean, he's still making impact plays, whether they're legal or not. Um, but I just don't know that they've got the amount of people that they need to make that kind of run. What about the long-term NFC. If you don't like Green Bay, if Seattle is really banged up, are the 49ers sitting in a situation where maybe they got lucky, whatever happened in week 17, they beat Seattle, and now they're just kind of sitting in the catbird seat? Pretty much. I think it's going to run through there, obviously. But I just love the way 
they play. That offense is so diverse. And when people talk about offensive genius coach, they tend to think passing game and all these pretty X's and O's you can draw and people running all these intricate patterns. 49ers are an old school running team, man. That is 1970s football and I dig it. And I, the way they move fullbacks and tight ends around and multiple back sets and a lot of motion, a lot of different formations. It's just, you know, there's not one of those guys other than George Kittle who might be the new Gronkowski. Yeah. He's, he might be the, the difference maker at that position for the next generation. But beyond him, there's not a guy on that offense, even their quarterback, that you look at and say, he's the best at his position. Gotta have me one of those. That guy's great. They, they've just got so many people doing so many things that, you know, it gives them an opportunity. So, you know, other teams are built, you know, if you're playing the Texans and you can slow down New Hopkins, you've got a good shot at beating them. But what do you do if you're playing the 49ers? I mean, Kittle's the obvious answer, but that's George Kittle. That's a tight end. That's not somebody who's necessarily blowing the top out of defenses or anything like that. So, I, I like them. I like the way they're coached. I like the way they put that thing together. Um, and I wasn't sure I was going to like John Lynch as a GM. Yeah. But, you know, you, you walk into a situation where you've stacked up so many assets on that defensive front, and it gives you opportunities. They've got a lot of people. And what's amazing about them is, you know, their offense or defense has tailed off a little bit second half of the year, but you're bringing back Quan Alexander and D Ford for the playoffs. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of free agent money you just allowed to walk back in the door that really hadn't played much of a part in the second half of the season. So, you know, they were Field already forty niners in the NFC. Forty niners. But what about the AFC? Is it a two team race? Yeah, it is. I, I think so. And you know, I keep I've got a saw you know, I've got a soft spot for Andy Reid. I think the guy's second best coach in the business and you know, because you know, we put we overstate the importance of things that may be random and we've taken playoffs and used them as a club to beat Andy Reid over the head with that guy's a great coach and his teams are always there and they're always prepared and because he doesn't win six particular games over the course of his career people want to you know assume that he's a bad coach well that's not the case so this might be the team I'm I'm curious about them I'm I'm curious to see how they look this week because they have started playing a little defense themselves. And that's been the thing that, you know, it's, yes, Patrick Mahomes can, you know, throw it to all the frisbee-catching dogs and and do all the cool-looking stuff, but now they're playing defense. And and that, I think, gives them an opportunity to beat the Ravens. And you think they will? I think they can. Uh, You know, again, we'll see. You know, so much of it is a a game-to-game thing. The Ravens also are same thing. I mean, so well-coached. You know, the people they have are scheme-perfect for them. You know, they found the guys who fit the roles they want so perfectly that, you know, and Lamar Jackson's just playing a different game than everybody else this year. I mean, it's it's impossible not to enjoy, even if you're a jaded old football writer who thinks he's seen it all, you watch Lamar Jackson and it's like, dang, I didn't know that was possible. You feel like those two AFC teams in San Francisco are comparable? I do. I, I think they're pretty close in terms of talent. I, I, I'm not sure who would even be favored in a Super Bowl, you know, that would be some collection of those three. And, and frankly, I could go, I could be convinced in either direction on any of those three teams. 
Beard and Cartcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Darren Gant from Pro Football Talk is with us. Just a couple minutes left. Big picture. Every weekend we watch the NFL. It's Sunday. We sit down. We're excited for it. And something happens officiating wise. Mm -hmm. Something happens where should they have reviewed it? They didn't review it. Is that the right call? Is it the wrong call? Is there a big picture answer to this? Um, I think the truth of what's happened is the NFL continues to succeed despite itself. For a league that is so great at making money and capturing eyeballs and turning sports into the one moment of appointment television that America has anymore, they're great at that. But when they are faced with a problem, they always lead from behind. They're always caught trying to catch up. Uh, and Is that by design? Do they not care? I, I don't know that because... People think of the NFL as this monolith. The amount of people who actually affect changes is probably pretty small, considering the scope of the business. And I just don't think they're very proactive a lot of times. I mean, they I, I will never forget being at the owners meeting last spring when they created this pass interference review yeah. policy. And we're all walking the halls of the resort, you know, um, doing what we do. And people start coming out of rooms and talking. And it's like, they're doing what? When? You mean in May? They're going to talk about this in the fall, maybe put it in for 2021. No, they're doing this today. And it, it felt rushed and it felt not thought through and it felt kind of sloppily thrown together. And I think what you're seeing on the field this year is a result of that. I mean, it's people who weren't comfortable with the rules they had to enforce now. So are they going to change want it? To have, yeah, I mean, that that rule's gone. To the, what? The PI review, they, it'll just disappear, and they'll go back to the old way. And but then you end up with the same problem same you had situation, with yeah. the Vikings exactly. and the, or with the uh, the Saints and the Rams. And they'll just hope that it's not Sean Payton this offseason so that somebody else is chewing on their ear the whole time. Is the answer maybe, because I've talked about with technology now, and obviously not, you know they have the ability to talk to New York, but maybe put like an, an older established referee in, in in the booth, like in a booth, and, and kind of be a, a, an extra official. Yeah, there. I mean, I, I've thought two things about NFL officiating for a while. Number one is because they're kind of cheap, which is unusual for a corporation that makes yeah. that kind of money. They let their Dean Blandinos go to TV jobs, and he's going to work with the XFL. And they let their good, their best officials are now working for the networks. And you know, you can't lose that kind of leadership out out of the top of any profession and expect a smooth transition of power. But I also believe, I mean, you mentioned technology, Mike. I think they need fewer refs, not more. Yeah. I think put two or three officials on the field and run everything else off of a guy sitting in the box yeah. watching on that HD screen, you know, because he's got a better view of it and a better opportunity to see what yeah. actually happened. And you can communicate wirelessly with New York anyway. Yeah. I mean, they're they're talking to somebody at 345 Park Avenue about all these calls. So you, the system... The infrastructure is there to do it this way. It's just a matter of a, a big fundamental change, and the NFL's not good at big fundamental change. What else you got? <laughs> That's it. It's time to go to High Point. Yeah, we're going to High We got to get you on a trip this year, man. Yeah, I hate I'm missing High Point to the Gene Little Center, isn't it? It's the final year. <laughs> the final year of the Miller Center. Whoa. 
It yeah. should be the Gene Little Center if it's not. Um, no, I got to go talk to Matt Rule here in a little bit, see yeah. what he's got to say. I'm sure he's going to be the first coach ever to say he wants to run a passive defense and they don't plan to be very exciting on offense. <laughs> I, heard, I, I love Coach Press I heard press the press conference was today so he could make it to high point tonight. There you go. Yeah, he's going to make I, it to a big game tonight. He's going to rock the hill. He's going he's gonna to be a Rock Hill fixture pretty yes, soon. He yes, he will. Yes, he will. I think he and Pat Kelsey will probably get along. They're both high-energy guys. All right. Well, thanks, Darren. Absolutely. Y'all have fun. All right. Well, you know, you can follow along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. We're now on Stitcher. If you're not listening uh, through Stitcher, you can do that as well. And uh, we'll be back with another exciting episode of the Bearded Carcast next week. We'll have an episode. Whether it's exciting (laughs) or not remains to be seen.